Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right, everybody, welcome back. Lots to get to. Um, let me see. Where do I begin here? Where do I begin? First of all, I want to start off by saying thank you to Mark Steele for coming on the show and providing the information that he did. It's terrifying. I would recommend, again, you go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Certainly share that with as many people as you can. Uh, and, I, and I have to tell you, what happened the very next day, which would have been Wednesday, because I talked with Mark on Tuesday morning, and then I aired that on Tuesday night on BitChute and Rumble. And then, of course, it was on the podcasting streams on Wednesday morning. Um, I left the house to go run an errand. Driving down a road, I typically drive down to get into town, of course, because there's really only two roads to take. And right at the bottom of the road, I kid you not, can't even make this up, there's approximately a 40-foot green 5G tower. Now, I'm calling it a 5G tower because I assume it's a 5G tower. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But I drove past it, immediately recognized it and knew that it was not there the day before, or the day before that, or even a week before that. This is a brand new tower right across the street from a university bus stop, where students will, of course, congregate. Not many, of course, these days, because there's hardly anybody on this campus anymore, you know, the jabs and all. And then uh, it's right next to a Walgreens, and it, it's around where some people shop, is the point. Um, I was blown away, and I thought to myself, what, what, what the hell is this? What, what is going on? It has an AT&T sticker on it, along with a meter reader next to it, and that's about it. Uh, later on in the day, my mom was at Kroger's. She shoots me a text message, and she says, have you seen this one? And they were putting up another one right across the street from the Kroger's, which ironically enough is right next to an apartment complex, which is right next to student living, off-campus student living and off-campus apartment complexes. So I had to go take a look. And uh, she, she shot me pictures of it, which again... Were telling because on the side of the on the side of the the van or the truck that they were using, it has the installation name and it's titled Mobile Network Solutions LLC, USDOT. I don't know if that's United States Department of Transportation or Technology or something, and then a number two one zero seven three three three. There were two of these trucks assisting in the setup process of this tower. This was the second tower, of course, that, that I then noticed. So I got in my car and I drove over there and I hit record on my cell phone and I had a conversation with these guys. Um, I can't really air the, the conversation because there's not a lot to hear. You hear my voice, but you may mainly hear traffic, but I'll, I'll tell you what, what I said to him. Again, I got out of my car, I walked across the street, and uh, 
they were just standing around. They weren't, they weren't doing anything. They're all wearing their hard hats and their, you know, neon green vests as, uh, as this thing has already been constructed. And it looked like, I don't know what they were doing. They were just sitting there at, at that point. But I walked up to them. There were four white guys and one black guy. Three or four white guys, I think. And one black guy. The black guy was to my right. And I, again, I was recording this interaction and I said, Hey, fellas, how you doing? And they're like, Good. I said, Who exactly is responsible for putting these up? And everybody gets lockjaw. Nobody says anything. All, all the white guys get real quiet and they say nothing. Their arms are folded. They're leaning up against the truck. They're leaning up against the tower. They're, they're not saying anything. The black guy, though, he starts talking. Again, I don't know if he's the foreman on the job or what the deal is, but he clearly seemed in charge. He didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but either way. Um, and and the, he ended up looking at me and he said, he said, we, we, we just, you know, we're just installers and we just install it. And I said, so this is a 5G tower, right? And he goes, no, it's a 4G tower. And I said, do you guys work for a phone company or something? Again, I'm sort of baiting them because there's one of two scenarios. These people know exactly what they're doing or they have no idea what they're doing. I'm inclined to believe, based on what even Mark mentioned in the last episode, that these guys have no idea what they're doing. They're being paid X amount of dollars to just put these in, and they think it's for cell phone service. They think it's for better cell phone access. I don't believe any of that, of course, and I'm never going to believe any of that because we know that that's not the case. But the, that's what the black guy ended up, ended up saying. He ended up saying, well, it's, it's a Verizon tower is what he said. And I said, Verizon? And he goes, yeah. And I turned around to my 7 o'clock. And I pointed at the tower that I just mentioned earlier. And I said, that's funny because that one over there says AT&T on it. It has an AT&T sticker, which by the way, on these towers also, there's a giant hazardous sticker right in the middle. One of those like, one of those yellow, yellow stickers that says caution. Uh, And then there's, you know, directions below it and whatever. But either way. He, he turns and he looks at me and he says, which tower? And I said, that one. And I pointed right at it. And I mean, it was undeniable. You could see it because they all look exactly the same. Or they're slightly different, but they're mostly, they mostly look exactly the same. And he says, uh, he goes, oh, okay. Well, this is Verizon. I said, and it's 5G. And he goes, no, it's 4G. And I said, how do you know that? Again, everybody gets lockjaw. No one's saying anything. The only one responding to me is the black guy. And he's, he's even quiet and has no idea what the hell's going on. And then he says, and I said, do you guys know what, the, well, yeah, here's what I said. I said, do you guys know what these do to people? And they all just looked at me. And the guy goes, the black guy said something like cell phone service. It's, it's for cell phone service. I said, no, it isn't. I said, it's a weapon. I said, it's not an accident that they put these next to apartment complexes, and I pointed right at it, which is right behind them, not 20 feet behind them. Honest to Christ, this, this 5G tower, and I'm, I'm certain it's 5G, there's no way it's a 4G tower, 
it's right next to the front door of this apartment complex, right next to the windows where these people sleep. It's right there. It's on top of them, practically. And it's right next to two trees. So it's going to be interesting to see if the trees even survive. Because as we know, 5G towers around trees kill the trees. So I told them it was a weapon, and they all just looked at me, and I said, it cooks people. These things, these things flip and cook people. And then I looked at them and I said, well, I, I, I was cursing a little bit. I was saying they F people up, they F people up. And then I looked at them and I said, you guys didn't take those shots, did you? Those COVID shots? One guy who was trying to look as hard as he could, and he's the one leaning up against the actual tower. He takes a huge gulp. He just swallows real deeply. And, and I was looking right at him and his, his head kind of turned away. Then I turned to my left and I looked at the guys leaning up against the truck and the one guy closest to me shook his head no and no one else gave a response. The black guy I think said no. Either way, someone in that group took the jabs. And I said, it messes up the I said these towers are messing up the people who took the jabs too. COVID shots, flu shots, it doesn't matter. I said it f people it, it, it f's people up. That's what it does. I said, so I just wanted to let you know that you're installing a weapon. And I was like, take care. And I turned around and I walked away. Almost got hit by a car. That, that was fun. But turned around, walked away. And I called Kim Carter immediately because I was sending her these text messages along with uh, another friend who I'm communicating a lot of this information with too. And... I mean, they were, they were just both blown away. And I, and I told Kim, I said, look, uh, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive around town and I'm going to see what else I can find. Ladies and gentlemen, there's at least five or six of these towers all over town with different groups putting them up. In fact, one of the questions that I asked the black guy was, is I said, who at the city told you guys to put these up? And he looked at me and he said, it's just about permits. He said, we just get a permit to put them up and then we come in and we put them up. But they didn't have any answers regarding the city. So I drove around town and I found more of them. Some of them don't even have labels on them. They don't even have phone company names on them or stickers. There's no Verizon sticker on this particular tower that the guy said was a Verizon tower. There's, no, there's nothing on these. Uh, and I walked up to another one, and of course, as you would expect, the local power company around here is Duke Energy. Now, I don't trust Duke Energy, let alone the name Duke. I mean, there's some Illuminati ties to that name, clearly. They're one of the 13 families, if I'm not mistaken. But they, uh, you know, Duke Energy runs the power around here by and large, and their name is on the actual meter. That's on the, that's basically at the base of these towers. So I took a couple of pictures of that, and uh, I kept driving around town. And there's one right in the middle of town that was being put up by a completely different company. Now, let me hang on just a second. Let me grab this. I've got this on my phone because I took pictures of that one because I thought it was jacked up. Because I immediately noticed again that it was a it was a different company. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Alltech. A-L-T-E-C. 
And it looks like, oh, Jesus. It looks like, again, I'm assuming this is their phone number, 1877-GO-G-O-A-L-T-E-C. And then below it, it says USDOT, again. I'm assuming that's the United States Department of Transportation. And then it says 121373. So there were two of these Alltech trucks putting up another one of these towers right in the center of town, right uptown. Again, where people congregate. I'm telling you what, you know, the dummies in this town have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea. They have no idea what this is. So what I did yesterday is I did this, and my dad hooked me up with this guy's email. He's apparently the assistant city manager. And I want to read this email that I sent to him. Uh, I sent him this. His name is Seth Kroppenbaker. I said, my name is Dr. Sean Brooks. Uh, You know my father, Dr. Douglas Brooks. He speaks highly of you. If you have time this week, preferably Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, if you're available, I would like to meet with you to discuss the 5G towers within this town's jurisdiction and property. I also, of course, wanted to bring up with him the giant towers, you know, those big bastards that you see out in the uh, middle of a cornfield. Those have got to go. They all have to go. Either way, uh, I continued here, and I said the website below and the articles within are for your consideration, and I linked in the Children's Health Defense website with all of their 5G articles, and there's a million of them, which are as recent as yesterday. Uh, And then I said these 5G towers have nothing to do with internet access or faster internet. 5G towers, regardless of size, are a direct health problem to all citizens of this town and the surrounding communities and properties. The city of Oxford is knowledgeable as to where these towers are located, and these towers are most certainly strategically placed by the contracted companies who install them. Some are noticeable and some are less so. These towers must be removed immediately. Please read the attached articles with the website below, and I can give you more information if we, if we meet. Countless books, podcasts, and lawsuits exist that discuss this matter directly. Uh, this is a serious national and international matter. Thank you for your time and consideration. So that's what I told him. Uh, of course, 24 hours has passed, and I, and I haven't received a response back, nor do I expect one. However. My dad told me then that he went and contacted another guy who works for the city. And uh, again, a part of either the road maintenance or or whatever the hell he does. I I don't know what his title is. But either way, he told him that these towers did in fact pop up in the dead of night, even though this particular one they were putting up in the middle of the day in broad daylight. And, uh, And that the city, the county, and the state have no jurisdiction over putting these towers up or where they go up. These guys just show up and they just do it. And that's it. Now, I find that hard to believe. However, it's apparently just a federal decision. It's between the federal government and the uh, the actual companies themselves that are producing these 5G towers. Again, uh, you know, <laughs> this has, shit, this has nothing to do with health. 
It has nothing to do with better internet access or, wow, I get to play Angry Birds super quick on my cell phone. It has nothing to do with that. It is a weapon. It's a weapon. End of story. You might as well put your genitals in a, uh, in a microwave. It's, it cooks people. And again, overnight, at least five or six of these bad boys just went up. The other one I saw was over by a McDonald's, which is also over by uh, off-campus student apartments. Again, not an accident. Somebody's looking at the map of this town. They know that people live here, or at least used to. Many people don't live here anymore because they're jabbed, sick, dead, or they've left. And now they're trying to basically cook the people who still live in these apartment complexes and these off-campus residents. It blows me away. The city has got to do whatever they have to do to make sure that these are gone. I, I don't know what else I don't know what else to say. Uh, as, again, as you've heard Mark talk about in the last episode, there are lawsuits that exist that clearly bring this up. Even the FDA, I've seen this video bouncing around for years. The FDA in court openly said in the United States court that they have no proof that these towers do not do harm. Now, as far as the big towers, like the ones that you see out in the middle of a cornfield or a giant field, those huge Eye of Sauron, you know, giant towers, not an accident, they look menacing. They're supposed to, because again, they're a weapon. They're not, they're not for better cell phone service. Apparently, those are leased out. The land is leased to the people who put the tower up, but those are things that can be taken down also. These might be a little harder, the ones that just got put up, but my God, there's no doubt about it now that the people putting them up have no idea what they're doing. Mark's 100% dead right on that, without a doubt. And what are the odds, ladies and gentlemen? What are the odds that I would talk with Mark Steele on Tuesday morning, have that conversation, air that, and then Wednesday morning, I'm driving around and I see them pop up like a weed? out of the ground overnight. You can't make this shit up. So now this town has a bunch of them. And according to the mayor, only 4,000 people in a town of 29,000 people, only 4,000 of them are not jabbed. So how's that going to work out for the 25,000 that are jabbed? It's not going to work out well for them at all. There is no doubt it is a kill program. I don't know what else to say. Other than, I suppose, that it's the unjabbed that are going to live longer. That's all. All those towers are going to do is speed up the ill health of the already jabbed. That's about it. So, yeah. Again... Grateful for the conversation with Mark Steele. I'm glad that we, that we got connected. There's no doubt that was meant to happen. Even without the conversation, I would have noticed these towers. They're undeniable because they weren't there two days ago. <laughs> and they hit you like a freight train. I mean, you can see them. It's clear. You know, it's not the, uh, the 5G cactus that you see on the side of a road in Arizona or 
the 5G uh, trash can that you see in New York City. It's a 40-foot green tower. It's, again, undeniable. Just completely undeniable. Okay. Yikes. Again, one more time for Mark Steele's website. It's saveusnow.org.uk. And there you go. All right. Moving on here. East Palestine. Good Lord. What more could happen there? I'm certain that I'm going to leave out a lot of information regarding what's going on there. But again, just sort of off the top of my head here. And again, I'm looking at my show, uh, my show notes here. But there was a video bouncing around earlier in the week. And I think it was even over the weekend um, of Dr. Lee Merritt for about 16 minutes. And I put it up on my Gab page. But she was talking about how a lot of this just has to do with fear what's going on in East Palestine, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, psychological control and demoralization and blah, 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 because she listened to a Bards FM episode with Scott Kesterson, and he was talking about how it's about mind control and fear and whatever else. I mean, here's the thing. That's all true, but the actual health effects of what people are experiencing there is 100% real. That cannot be diminished in the slightest, And, and I think she said that, but even so, this is way past demoralization. I mean, this is way past trying to uh, you know, beat people down to where they just feel sad all of the time. The water is poisoned. It's raining on people there. The rain is burning the skin of the people who are there. People are coughing up blood, uh, experiencing massive headaches. These people are all over the news. They're on Tucker Carlson. They're on... Um, Stu Peters, they're on every platform you could possibly imagine. So I just wanted to briefly mention that. This should not be diminished in the slightest. This is a a huge deal. The next thing is that, of course, Donald Trump showed up instead of Joe Biden. Okay. I don't think Donald Trump showing up really helped a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. It's nice imagery. You know, he shows up to a McDonald's and he buys McDonald's for everybody, anybody who wants free McDonald's. Well, that's great. It's a bunch of poisonous slop. So now you're eating poisonous slop in a poisonous town and uh, truckloads of purified water, which is also poison. Spring water is the cleanest water you can drink. But purified water, again, touched by man and loaded with potassium chloride, also uh, also not healthy. All of that shows up, and then what? Does that solve everyone's problems? Of course not. Uh, The best solution that I have heard regarding the East Palestine situation is that everybody needs to leave that town. And I know that that's impossible for some people. Absolutely impossible, but, or so they think, I guess, but either way, there has to be a completely separate town or situation that is set up for them with homes that are built for them, even if they are temporary. Again, I don't know if FEMA has even showed up and done anything that's worth a damn, but they have FEMA trailers. Those exist. People live in those temporarily while homes are being built. That's what should happen for these people. Anybody advocating for anything else is wasting their breath and wasting their time. They need to evacuate that town. 100%. Now, there are real people 
real scientists on the ground testing the air and testing the water. Independent people, not people associated with the EPA or the federal government or whatever. In fact, allegedly, a plane crashed the other day that was carrying some individuals who are environmental experts, quote unquote. They were leaving a Arkansas of all places uh, airport and flying to another place in Ohio that's experiencing burning within a factory, if I'm not mistaken. And again, they were either going to head to East Palestine or whatever else, but that entire plane crashed and they all died. So that happened. Not an accident either. Um, I wanted to read this, though. This came from a listener of the show who emailed me a while back, and I'm very grateful for their email. And this is an interesting story. It's lengthy, but it really, I think, encapsulates the much larger picture of how people are trained to do particular things without their knowledge of what it is that they're actually doing. and. Uh, and I think it's connected to this, and they certainly thought so also, which is why they emailed me. So the subject line was info about Ohio train derailment. Um, I'm going to skip past the first sentence, but again, they had it had to do with them getting out of a bad relationship, which was great. And again, they were in a relationship with some jabbed people and knew some jabbed people, and it was unhealthy to say the least. They are not jabbed. Uh, so here we go. It says, during my move, I was going through some of my old things, and while unpacking, I ran across a folder we were given upon arrival at a training I attended. A bit of background on it first. Back in the mid-2000s, I was in paramedic school. A local paramedic came to our class and spoke about a training program that offered many different classes depending on what we were interested in. The whole thing is put on and paid for by the Department of Homeland Security specifically the Center for Domestic Preparedness. The training option I chose as Technical Emergency Response Training, or TERT. You know the government loves their acronyms. I was a four-day, it was a four-day course at a huge facility in Anniston, Alabama. It says I was an old, I'm sorry, it was an old army base in the mountains. Uh, it took a day to travel, again, all paid, paid for by the government, four days of training, and another day to return home. We had to apply by filling out an insane amount of paperwork. Send that paperwork to our local Homeland Security official, and they had to sign off on it, and they sent it on to be processed. It seemed to take months, if memory serves me correctly. No one from my class of about 20 bothered applying because their normal jobs wouldn't give them that much time off. Fortunately, I worked for a great employer who did give me the time off. We got our airline tickets in the mail, along with a ton of other stuff. Upon arrival at the airport, I met two security guys from the local hospital that I was doing clinical rotations for at, at for my paramedic license. We ended up being in different groups. Once we got there, but we saw each other and chatted at lunch from what I can remember. We all got to the airport in Atlanta, and there were like three or four buses full of people from all over the U.S. We then drove to the facility, unloaded, and had an intake briefing, which was more or less just us sitting in a large classroom and them going over how the next four days was going to happen. The whole thing, again, sounds like a nightmare. 
uh, he, he continued and said, we then went to get dinner, which I have to say was one of the best damn foods I've ever had. Those ladies in Alabama know how to cook and were assigned our rooms, which were like college dorms. We were in rooms of two. This whole thing sounds like a TED training too, like one of those TED conferences, but it's government run, which is suspicious to say the least. He continued. He said, we had class all day, and some of it was hands-on type things, learning how to use the equipment we would need in the final exercise. I'm from Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City area, so the bombing got brought up in one of these classes, in one of our classes. Numerous scenarios were floated, which this clown from the FBI immediately shot down. I wish I'd known what I know now, but it's probably good I didn't. We learned how to use we learned how to use Geiger counters and many other devices to test everything you could imagine. Well, things one could test in the field but not lab test. He then said we went over different classes of PPE and how to DON and DOFF them, don and doff them. Uh, let's see. We had to we had to do mask fit tests, which I didn't understand until later. Oh, and I'm forgetting to talk about one of the important things about the whole ordeal. Before dinner on the first day, they drew everyone's blood. Unfortunately, it wasn't, I wasn't awake then as I am now. I'll get into why they did this in a bit. I'm going to try to scan the book I kept from this course and send it to you so you can get a full appreciation of it all. I'm sure you'll find it as crazy as I do now. The last full day, we ran a full-blown exercise that took all day and involved everyone. Uh, let's see. What, what was the scenario, you might ask? A train derailment that involved the disbursement of phosgene gas, chlorine, and carbon tetrachloride. Basically, Freon 10, which is banned in roughly, which was banned in roughly 2000, but in this scenario, it was being transported to a disposal facility. Hold on to your hat because it gets even more crazy. We ran the whole scenario, which most of which was done outside, but some of it had to be done in a huge building that was set up as though it were outside. This is where we had to do out testing. Quote unquote. At this point, all of us, including the instructors, were in hazmat suits with SCBA and taped up gloves and boots, no outside air in or out. Once we were done with all of that part of the scenario, we had to go through a complete decon and very carefully remove all of our gear. During the testing phase, the instructors kept asking everyone, if they had headaches, and kept checking our eyes to see if anyone had pinpoint pupils. This is an indicator of exposure to a nerve agent. The whole thing comes to an end. Everyone gets out of their gear and back from their different areas as the whole thing was a round-robin type of event. And we gather back in one of the huge classrooms for a debrief. We are all chatting, and the instructors all come in and tell us that everyone did well and that there were no issues. They then told us that we were all exposed to VX gas, which is why they were asking about headaches and checking our eyes. 
Now, whether or not they actually did expose us to that is anyone's guess, as they could have just told us that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. They said it was to get us to trust our gear and training. Then on the day that we left, at like 5 a.m., we had to get our blood drawn again. I can't believe I'm just now thinking about all of this. But it's been a number of years, and I'm sure there's a bunch of things I left out and I'll think of later. But those are the things that stuck out in my memory that I thought you'd find interesting. Apparently, this training looks good on a resume because I put it on mine when applying to a local fire department, and during the interview, I was questioned about it pretty hard. It seemed the guy questioning me applied to go and was denied. He was pissed that I got to go and he didn't. I checked the Homeland Security site and the CDP, and they still offer something similar and a number of other classes at the same place. They had these classes year-round, so just imagine the number of people's blood they got over the past 20-plus years, if not longer. And oddly enough, I ran across the list of contact info for all the participants that I was in class with. The one guy that stuck out to me was the guy I was with, older gentleman who was the head of fire EMS investigator for D.C. I may try contacting him just to see how he's doing. I look forward to your thoughts on this, and I'll try to get more info to you as I can and copy that PDF form. It's pretty huge, a full binder. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Wow. You know, I've always been suspicious of the giant group training like that, let alone government-related training. I mean, I, I really don't know what else to say. I personally don't have a lot of experience with it. In the education field, you know, the closest thing that you get to in the education field are basically conferences where you show up, even if it's, uh, even if it's mandatory as a result of participating in graduate school. And again, like you would expect, you show up and you basically just hear a bunch of brain-dead people say the exact same thing over and over again. Everybody agrees, nobody disagrees, and if you disagree, you're immediately ostracized, and, and that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, I experienced that when I was in graduate school. I'll never forget standing up in a room and grabbing a microphone when a woman who was a lawyer, she had no education experience whatsoever, but she was a lawyer who taught... I want to say either in the psychology department uh, of Walden University online, and she thought that her shit didn't stink. I mean, she she was she was a bully, as you would expect, and was commanding the room and and basically telling everybody to participate in this particular thing. And she looks at our table, and I'm sitting there with with other people who were all education majors at the time, and none of us wanted to participate. None of us wanted to stand up in front of the room and, and talk, and she singled out our table and said, I'm not moving until somebody from that table comes up here and takes this microphone and tells us what kind of an experience they had here and what they learned here and whatever else. And everybody stayed quiet, and we all looked at each other because nobody wanted to go up and say anything, so I finally stood up. And I walked to the front of the room, and I snatched the microphone out of her hand, and I started to basically lean into her about the way that she was treating us and the way that everybody at this conference was treating people and how hypocritical everybody was about a number of different instructional methods and instructional things and how I found it funny that individuals who were lecturing people on education, they themselves had no education experience whatsoever. 
So that, that shut her up pretty quickly, as you might expect, and it brought the room to a dead silence. Uh, I threw the mic back at him and I walked back to the table and sat down and people looked at me at the table and they're like, thanks for saying that because we were all thinking it. And I said, well, sure, no problem. I have nothing to lose here. What are they going to do? Kick me out of school? But, you know, again, this kind of training stuff and, and this kind of training in particular regarding Homeland Security, I mean, damn, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But yes, the irony of it being a train derailment scenario, they've been prepping for this for a very long time. And as we can see, they aren't, uh, they aren't doing things properly. They're not even responding, which should prove to everybody that it's war. It can't get any clearer than that. It's just flat out war. And we're being attacked. Now, I've seen lots of different videos, and I mean a lot, as you would expect, over the last couple of weeks, few weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's all designed to, of course, poison the land, completely disrupt the food supply. The number of companies that exist here in Ohio that distribute food and water are endless. Anheuser-Busch is set up here, massive Anheuser-Busch facility in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, the list is endless. P pick a product. It, it probably has a, a home base here, and, and they make the product here also. I'm not saying they don't do it in other states. They clearly do, but Ohio is a big hub for a lot of these companies. And now a lot of people are saying you'd better start checking the labels on, on these things because, again, if anything is, is, is manufactured or made around the time of this train derailment, um, you know that's going to have that's going to have a negative impact on on that particular product you would assume anyway so i don't know there's just so much more to this story and it's evident that the government is doing well whatever the however you want to characterize the biden administration they're not the real government but they are the uh the enemy government we'll call it the enemy government well, it's, yeah, it's redundant, I know. Either way, they're clearly trying to keep people away who can potentially solve the problem or at the very least test it and bring it to the public's knowledge. Of course, they're not touching it with a 10-foot pole and, and nobody is. But yeah, I don't know. The, the point is, is there's more going on there. Private buyers buying up the vacant land. There's endless sick people there. They still have school in session, God knows why, and uh, you got to pray for these people. That's, that's about all I can say. I, I think that if anybody's having a conversation about it that doesn't end with, they all need to get out of town, and they all need to leave permanently, in particular if they're experiencing ill health effects. And by the way, if they are, or they aren't rather, just because they aren't experiencing any ill health effects doesn't mean that they're not going to in the future. I mean, we know that. But you've already got people, again, coughing up blood, massive migraine headaches, etc., etc. So, yeah. I'm not sure what else I can add, but I'm sure more will come out about that particular situation, and I'll do what I can to bring it here. Okay. Let's see. Tucker Carlson, one quick thing about January 6th. We know what happened on J6. We know it was a setup. We know that the police were even set up. We know that a lot of things were set up, and I haven't spent a lot of time talking about J6, but 
if anybody actually believes that Fox News and Tucker Carlson are going to go through all those hours of footage and bring you all of the footage that they have apparently uh, in their lap, I'd say, I got a bridge I want to sell you. There's absolutely no way that's going to happen. There will be, I'm sure, some footage that is released and leaked that will help, again, paint the Democrats in a bad light for their involvement and what they did and so on and so forth. But if there's footage that exists of them scheming openly on camera about what's going on, kind of like that brief footage that we saw of Nancy Pelosi in her office talking with people, saying, oh, I hope Trump comes down here because I'll punch him right in the mouth. I mean, if there's more footage like that of actual senators or elected people or selected people conspiring uh, you know, with the Capitol Police to engage in all of this, then that's great. I just, I just don't think that's going to see the light of day. I'm just trying to be realistic about the situation, but yeah, that's my two cents on that. Not sure what else I can add, but there you go. All right, education-related stories. This one's been making the rounds, and it's worth bringing up for a variety of reasons, as you might expect. But uh, in the UK, approximately again a week ago, four Afghan Muslim migrant teens were arrested over the rape of a 15-year-old girl within the school uh, at Kent School, apparently. So this says, again, this is from the times.co.uk, four Afghan boys who arrived in small boats last year have been arrested in connection with an alleged rape of a 15-year-old girl at a school in Dover. Kent police has confirmed that it is investigating a report of the attack which took place at a school in the town last Monday. Four boys aged between 13 and 16 were arrested as a part of an investigation and have since been released on bail. While inquiries continue, the force said. One of the boys, aged 15, was arrested on suspicion of rape, and the three others arrested on suspicion of facilitating the attack. Sources familiar with the investigation told the Times that three boys, aged 13, 15, and 16, who cannot be named for legal reasons, God knows why, uh, are alleged to have pin the girl down, and acted as lookouts to stop her getting away while the fourth boy raped her. They were arrested last week and held in custody at a police station in Canterbury. It's understood that all four boys attended the same school as the alleged victim. Uh, let's see. The boys arrived in the UK on small boats last year and are all understood to be unaccompanied children seeking asylum. Yes, I'm sure they are. Send them back. In fact, I'm going to kick it up a notch. Put them in a C-230 airplane, open up the hatch, and kick them out of the back when you're halfway through the flight. How about you just do that? Am I right? Anybody agree with me on that? Just kick them out of the back. Let them roll out of the back. You know, just tip the nose of the plane up in the air and just let them just tumble on down. Ugh. They are in the care of the Kent County Counselor's Sur uh, Social Services. Oh, that's great. It says the proportion of migrants crossing the channel in small boats that are unaccompanied children has risen over the past two years as the journeys have been more frequent. 
Out of the 45,752 migrants who entered the UK via small boat last year, 8,700 are estimated to have been unaccompanied children, about a fifth of all arrivals. Afghans have made up a large portion of the children since the Taliban's resurgence, whatever. Uh, overall, they were the second largest group of nationalities to make the journey last year, making up about 6,500 of the 45,756 crossings. Only Albanians made up a higher number, with about 13,000. About 17% of arrivals from small boat crossings, an occurrence which largely began in 2018, have been children under the age of 18. On Saturday, 52 migrants arrived in one boat, pushing the total number of arrivals for this year over the 2,000 mark, unquote. The addition to this particular story is that numerous girls now within the school are actually protesting outside of the school and either not attending the school or whatever, but they're protesting outside of the school because the school itself hasn't done anything to address the situation and they haven't done anything to protect people and they aren't separating people and whatever it may be. So friends of the girl are protesting and a number of other things. And of course, the girl is not returning to the school. At least I hope she's not, if she has a brain in her head and her parents have a brain in their heads. If you want to make these environments again, you've heard me say it a million times, if you want to make these environments destitute and cease to exist, although in this particular case, it might be a little harder because they're taking in so many illegal aliens that uh, the school might still exist with all these illegal aliens. But at the very least, all of the whites will be gone. So all of the white students should leave the school because who's teaching in the school? If I had to take a guess, I would say the vast majority are white English staff members. Do you actually believe that white English staff members are going to want to teach class in a school that is filled with nothing but illegal Afghans or illegal Africans? Of course not. Of course not. And anybody listening to this, don't say to yourself, well, I would love to teach in that environment because... That environment would be so safe and so diverse and, oh, it would just be so great. No, it wouldn't. You can't teach people, you can't teach things to people who can't speak English. You can't. And I'd love to see a math teacher try to teach Afghan illegals English. It's the worst joke in the history of jokes. There's no way that's going to happen. But if all of those girls... And again, if it's an all-girls school, well, it's clearly not an all-girls school, but if the girls and the boys who are level-headed all just leave and homeschool themselves, which they can do, there are international homeschooling programs that do exist. I know that I've mentioned calverteducation.com before. They might, they might be one that service the UK. I'm not entirely sure on that, but you know, people can look it up. And I'm sure there's homeschooling programs that exist over there even though the government, of course, is cracking down on those in the UK. But leave the school. They've proven to you that they are unsafe. They're, I mean, they've just proven it. I, I don't know what else it's going to take for these people to, uh, to leave permanently. Don't waste your breath protesting the environment to try to fix the environment. There's no fixing it. 
There's no fixing it. Leave the school because they'll just bring in more illegals. And then what? It'll happen again. Maybe somebody will get stabbed this time. Maybe somebody will end up dead because that already happens in these schools too. Hell, it happens in American schools when illegals show up. I've broken down those scenarios in, in, in past episodes and those specifics. It's horrific. Just leave the entire environment. Force the minds of the people who are still working there and inhabiting that place to change. Just force it. It's no different, for example, than the university settings that don't have students on their campuses anymore because they don't want to take the jabs. They don't want a biological weapon flowing through their veins that's going to kill them. So if the students that are still showing up to these environments actually look around and say to themselves, wait a minute, why is no one here anymore? And the professors and the teachers and educators, so to speak, start looking around and say, wow, no one's here anymore. They're going to have to start questioning things. It's going to force them to question their own existence and what's really going on. Then that's going to motivate people. The sad part, of course, which numerous people have commented on, is a lot of brain-dead sheep believe it to be a convenience. That all of these illegals showing up or even people not being in a school anymore as much as they used to be or the populations being down, that it's just this giant convenience. Like the cashless societies and a thousand other things. It's just this, you know, it's just a convenience. 5G towers, Sean. Everybody knows that they're for better internet access. <laughs> no, they're not. No. That's like saying being kicked in the genitals is done to uh, check your temperature. That's not, that's not what that means. That's not what that does. It's nuts. But we, we have to, you know, people have to move. They have to vote with their feet, leave these environments, and then force the dummies who are still attending to question their existence and what's going on within those environments. That has to happen. Okay. That's my rant on that. Uh, second and last education story before I move into the jab territory here. North Carolina, three teachers at the same North Carolina primary school die unexpectedly in three months. Weird. Weird. Let me play the video from this in three, two, one. Students at Thomasville Primary School will have a remote learning day on Friday. This all coming as we've learned about the death of a third teacher from the school in just a little more than three months. The first was on November 14th with the death of a second grade teacher, Andrea White Hunter. Then on January 13th, kindergarten teacher Eva Shetley died. And just this past Saturday, second grade teacher Terry Register passed away. School officials have not said how they died, but say each teacher did have health concerns. The school will be providing resources for parents, students, and staff members impacted by their deaths. Health concerns, you think? Health concerns, yeah. 
How many jabs did you take? Was it one, two, three, four, five? How many flu shots have you had on top of those COVID bioweapons? Huh? How many? Absolutely nuts. Who thinks this is normal? What person goes, wow, that's pretty strange, but eh, okay. Three people die in the same building one month apart from each other. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. 49 years old. Let me see if I can get the ages here. The dude was 49. Eva Shetley was 65. And uh, the other gal, she doesn't look she doesn't look that old either. She looks like she's in her 30s or 40s. The district, however, said the following, and you would expect it's the typical line. Quote from the Thomasville Primary School issued a statement. Quote, our crisis team and counselors from across our district were on the site in each instant, or each instance, and stayed for as long as needed to ensure the needs of students and staff were met. On Friday, February 17th, Thomasville Primary School will be on a remote instruction day, and this will allow us to provide important resources for our school staff and our students and our families. There will be opportunities throughout the day on Friday. February 17th, for students, families, and our staff to engage with the resources being made available by many of our community partners. Our entire community is rallying around the school and our district, and we appreciate the love and support of all of those around us during this difficult time, unquote. What they should have said was, we forced the jab, we bullied people to get the jabs, we bullied people into the masks, we bought the entire fake story, and they injected themselves with a biological weapon. The very person writing the statement for the school district has an equal chance of dying just like these school teachers did. Equal chance. Anybody working within that district who's jabbed has an equal chance. It might as well have been them. It might as well be them in the future. You have three school teachers drop dead in a school building. Again, three months apart. Nothing is normal about that. Absolutely nothing. Not to mention, I bet during all of their counseling services, when there was school and when school was let out, that no one was bringing up the shots. Were they injected? How's the mind and the conscience of the people working within these school districts and these school buildings who push the jabs? How's their mind these days? Do they know that this is happening? There have got to be dead, jabbed staff members and district members, employees of, of school buildings in every single district across the United States just within the last two years from the jab rollout. But they're going to say, oh, it was COVID. Well, they had health problems. They had ongoing health problems, and it was just ongoing health problems. Stop it. Stop it. It's a flipping kill program, and it's working. When are these people going to wake up? <laughs> Honestly, it's just nuts. I hate to laugh, but if I don't, I'm going to start crying because these people are crazy. Speaking of crazy, now that we're into the jab section of the show, which I, as you know, typically round things out with jabs. Okay. Quick story here, interesting, and I highly recommend you go and watch this because this is one of those, it's just another example, I think, of one of those things where 
you can see it in the faces of the people that are saying what they're saying, and they have no idea. They have no idea. They're at a loss. You'll recognize these people. Mark Marin, the comedian and podcaster, writer, whatever. He apparently lost his girlfriend. And he tells this story, and it's an interesting one, but not unusual based on everything else that is happening. He's on the Howard Stern Show, and he's telling this story about how he lost his girlfriend who died. She was not old. She was younger. I would assume in her 40s, 30s, 40s, somewhere in there, 40s probably. And uh, never had health problems, but she just got very sick. And then was diagnosed with either leukemia or some other kind of cancer, and in very short order, died, like within days or just a couple of weeks after being diagnosed. No mention of the jabs. But we can assume that Mark Marin was jabbed. These are people who live in Los Angeles. These are people who are tied into the production of Hollywood whatevers, okay? You have to assume that they were jabbed. You have to assume that she was jabbed. She apparently, again, was tied into Hollywood rather high up, I think. She, had, she was a producer, had something to do with producing award shows or movies or TV or something like that. So she's dead now. And again, Mark Marin tells this story and can't connect the dots. Can't say, wow, she was perfectly healthy, took the jabs a year ago, two years ago, and now she's dead just like that, diagnosed with cancer, and then died quickly after the fact. Now, you've heard me read a number of different articles, of course, and I have one here, I believe. Um, maybe I don't. Either way, it was a substack that was recently written, and it had to do again with the explosions of cancers that are experiencing right now, in particular, only among the jabbed and that they are fast-paced cancers, that they're not slow. They're diagnosed, they're dead. I mean, it's working that quickly. We're talking days, if not just a few weeks, if not uh, just a couple of months. Fast-spreading cancers. But the look on Mark Maron's face, I'm not saying he's the sharpest knife in the drawer, but we know, we know Howard Stern's approach on the entire thing. He wants all the unvaccinated, quote-unquote, to just die. Well, that's funny, because that's not happening to us, is it? We're doing okay, if it's not for the 5G towers, of course, and a few other things, like being around the jabbed and being shed on, but yeah, other than that, we're doing all right. But couldn't, couldn't connect the dots. And then Richard Belzer died. Belzer died. Uh, again, he wasn't young. He was in his late 70s. But was he jabbed? Probably. I mean, late 70s, that's, you know, it's not bad, but even so. Was he jabbed? Probably. Uh, here's another one. This comes from Just the News, and this is, this, this is going to lead into something else that I think is remarkably interesting, because I'm starting to see this more and more, and I want to read uh, this thing I got from Amazon, too, which is bizarre, and you've probably seen it yourself if you've been on Amazon. Because Amazon is now kicking up, apparently, their prescription drug service or their drug service in some way. I didn't even know they had one, but uh, 
Something's happening with Amazon, which is bizarre. Either way, this comes from Just the News, and it's titled, Not Just Ivermectin, New FDA Authority to Ban All Off-Label Uses Alarms Doctors. This right here is a problem. So if I haven't said it before, I'm going to say it again or now. Uh, Get your ivermectin while you can. This is probably your last warning. Ivermectin.com. Get it now. Doesn't hurt to have 100 to 200 pills on deck just just because. And yeah, I would highly recommend investing in that because it's going to get harder and harder to get here as uh, as the days pass. This says doctors are speaking out against a new law that arguably paves the way for the FDA to prohibit treatments for purposes it hasn't expressly authorized, going far beyond highly politicized subjects such as treating COVID-19 with ivermectin. The authority to ban all off-label uses was buried on page 3,542 of the 4,155-page omnibus bill, appropriations bill rather, signed into law at year's end, though it specifically applied to banned devices, quote-unquote. The FDA requested this very unprecedented update after a string of court losses. Endpoints News senior editor Zachary Brennan told UBUR earlier this month while cautioning that it's not clear whether the agency could broadly interpret devices, quote unquote, to cover drug treatments. Let's just assume that it does. It's government. Let's not trust them. Um, That's usually the safest play. And let's just govern ourselves and get what we need while we can now. And then if they do what they do, well, then they do what they do. Let me read this now from Amazon. Because, again, this was weird. I I, I received this email the other day, which was strange, uh, called Amazon Clinics. I thought it was a bit odd because I had never received an Amazon email like this. But it says treatment, the subject line is treatment, diagnosis, and prescription at your convenience. Amazon Clinic. Healthcare is a message away. Find treatment for common health concerns with Amazon Clinic. No visits or video calls needed. Get started. And it says how it works. Step one, choose a concern. From a list of more than 20 everyday health concerns, we'll ask some questions about your symptoms and health history. Step two, message with a clinician. A clinician will review your answer and reach out with any questions. Step three, receive your personalized treatment. Our clinician will send your treatment plan, including a prescription if you need one. So Amazon is in the telehealth communications business now. Uh, This is interesting, and I'll tell you what. I'll put this up as a quick homework project. I would love for somebody to do it. I'm not going to do it, although it would be it would be super funny. Somebody needs to do this as a perfectly healthy person, pretend that they're not healthy, and pretend that they've been jabbed with these bioweapons. And get on here and get your uh, and record the entire interaction between you and the so-called clinician and and basically blame the jabs and see what the clinician says. 
say, well, now I'm just, you know, I've got, I've got, I feel like I have Crohn's disease and I'm, I'm feeling terrible. And, uh, you know, my gut hurts all the time and, and I, I, I'm foggy brained and I just don't know what's going on. You know, none of this happened before I received these jabs, but, uh, you know, now I've received these COVID shots and, you know, all this just happened to me. I, I'm just sick more often. I don't know what's going on, which of course are all logical symptoms of the jabs. But uh, getting, getting the clinician's response recorded would be priceless because what are they going to say? Are they going to admit that it's the shots that are killing them? Are they going to say, well, it's long COVID? <laughs> are they going to use, are they going to use the long COVID excuse? Are they going to say, well, the, you know, there's all these variants bouncing around and uh, all these invisible variants that don't exist. I mean, are they going to say that? It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. But apparently their CEO came out with a letter or wrote some letter about uh, all of this tele telehealth stuff. Let me bring that up too. Hang on. It was on their website right up front, but I thank God I took screenshots because now, now it's not there. Okay. Letter from Amazon CEO. Amazon welcomes one medical. So one medical is apparently a thing that they have now. This whole thing is just scary. Uh, dear customers, today getting great health care is often too difficult and inconvenient. Typically, you have to find a doctor, make an appointment a few weeks in advance, and drive 15 to 20 minutes or longer to a doctor's office. When you get there, you wait in the reception area for a while, get called by a nurse into an exam room, wait another 10 minutes, and blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the Amazon CEO put out this letter, and now what they're trying to do clearly is profit from the telemedicine that has to exist because doctor's offices and hospitals are filled with jab-injured people. Now they're trying to make money off of this like a flippin' vulture. Uh, yeah, shouldn't shock anybody. For a one-time limited to celebrate One Medical joining Amazon, you can now join One Medical with a discounted annual membership of $144 for the first year, a 28% discount, the equivalent of a $12 per, per month for new U.S. customers. We're just at the beginning of what our membership will offer. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry for the beeping. My email's kicking in here. Quit that. Okay. Uh, $140, $144 for the first year. I already said that. Uh, let's see. Customers tell us that they are in need to radically improve the healthcare experience, and we think we can help here at Amazon. Wishing you all good health, Andy Jassy, Amazon CEO. It's it's disgusting, absolutely disgusting. But just like that, in in the blink of an eye, overnight, much like five G towers popping up, Amazon is now in the telehealth business. I'm telling you what, one medical, it's Monopoly, ladies and gentlemen. It's the game Monopoly. Soon, well, I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. This is not going in a good direction. I'll just put it that way. Okay, moving on here. Uh, you probably heard Tedros Adnan from the WHO the other day. The pandemic treaty is kicking into full gear. Ratification of that is apparently on February 27th. 
I've heard a lot of back and forth about this. I've heard a lot of lawyers say, well, you know, it's not going to have any bearing here in the United States. Uh, it's dead on arrival, this, that, and the other. I say good luck with that because look what they did with the policies and procedures regarding the bioweapon shots that they call COVID vaccines and the lockdowns and the mask wearing and everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, all of that came from the WEF, the WHO, and everybody just fell in line. They all just fell in line. So why would this be any different? Why would a pandemic treaty be any different when it came to a response, even a weaponized response, like dudes with guns showing up at your front door? Why would that be any different? Why would that not happen? How could that how is it that that might not be a logical scenario for these individuals that agree to this? Again, the, it's going to be interesting to see how many awake sheriff's departments exist. Because if they go along with something that's more serious, some more, some more serious lockdown order in the future, or any more serious uptick in, in any kind of a response, if they go along with it, if sheriff's departments go along with it, then they're just as guilty as anybody else going along with it. And that will prove to everybody that sheriff's departments don't know what the hell they're doing. And let's face it, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Certainly not where I live anyway. I'm glad that there are, are some sheriffs who are awake and know that this is a biological weapon. It would be mathematically impossible that they didn't. The question is, is again, are they communicating with other sheriff's departments about what's really going on? And these WHO plans, do they know about all of this? I'm not, I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. I just, I won't do it. I don't, I don't trust them. Um, let's see. Yeah, this, I'm sorry. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a Substack article on the cancer thing. I got that wrong. This is from truth11.com. Turbo cancer. Post-COVID-19 vaccination, written by Dylan Eleven. That's his real name. Um, let's see. Yeah, all kinds of examples of how cancer has been amplified within people. I've been over that at length. Lots of posts from lots of different people. Interesting quick article. But uh, yeah, that exists over there on truth11.com. Give that a look if you're interested. What else here? ExposeNews.com. I love the expose. It says, while you were distracted by the Nicole Bully tra uh, Nicola Bully tra tragedy, the UK government quietly published a report confirming the vaccinated account for nine in every 10 COVID deaths over the past two years. It says official figures quietly published by the UK government reveal that the fully triple and quadruple vaccinated, quote unquote, Population has accounted for nine in every 10 COVID deaths in England over the last two years and 92% of the COVID-19 deaths throughout the entirety of 2022. Now, these aren't COVID deaths because COVID doesn't exist. They're just dying from the poison because they've poisoned themselves. That's all. There is no COVID-19. There's no such thing. Uh, UNLV freshman defensive lineman Ryan Keller dies at the age of 20. There's that. Jabbed. Epoch Times or the Epic Times, my apologies. It is pronounced Epic, I believe, even though I've been saying it wrong this whole time. 
Novavax COVID-19 vaccine associated with heart inflammation, so says the study. Shocking, said no one ever. And finally, this comes from you'rethenews.com. I know I'm just reading some headlines here. I just wanted to get these out of the way here at the end. If this will pop up, which it's not popping up. Uh, now it's popping up. Here we go. Pfizer knowingly allowed dangerous components in its vaccines, part one. This is from yournews.com. Summary of key facts. I'm going to read this. Here we go. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine contains truncated mRNA, which the EMA flagged as a reason for its major objection, quote-unquote, indicating a preclusion for their approval. The next bullet point says Pfizer has not investigated the detrimental outcomes of truncated mRNA in its vaccines. Next bullet point, Pfizer submitted Western blot figures to the Food and Drug Administration and the EMA that were digitally generated, not from actual experiments. And there you go. They digitally generated their responses in the studies, not from real data, just computer-generated data that was, of course, manipulated by man. That should be warming to everybody who's taken the jabs, hasn't it? Or shouldn't it? My God. My God. It says there's been an alarming lack of action taken by health authorities on this issue. No kidding, understatement of the century. Truncated mRNA potentially contributes to multiple vaccine-related injuries, including misfolded spike protein-induced fibrosis blood clots, autoimmune disorders, AIDS, and cancer. These problems with the Pfizer vaccine could have resulted in drastic product quality variations from batch to batch. This could explain the difference in adverse events experienced by vaccine recipients. Final bullet point, the root cause of such irresponsible conduct by pharma and health authorities is a lack of ethics, unquote. Lengthy article, lots of charts over there on yournews.com. Okay, um, I'll tell you what, if I have to end this on a positive note or try to end this on a positive note, which is getting more difficult, as you might expect, we just have to govern ourselves. I, I don't know what else to add, really. We have to govern ourselves as best we can. We have to continuously stop relying on these agencies to claim that they have our best interests at heart. I think people are going to continue to wake up, but it's going to get harder and harder the more that they're jabbed. They're not going to come to the realization of what they've done to themselves. And if they do, um, that's going to be a giant leap, just a giant, giant leap. Either way, governing ourselves is, is, I think, the best way forward here. It's going to continue to be the best way forward. We have to ostracize the jabbed. If they're going to be jabbed and brain dead on what's going on in the world and they have no idea that there's a war taking place, and this war has been taking place for quite some time, then, uh, yeah, then they're on their own and there's nothing, there's nothing that can be done. Regarding the battering of the war drums that we're hearing regarding Russia and Ukraine, 
and China's involvement in whatever. I am of the train of thought that Xi Jinping has its and and China have their own deep state that they're dealing with and Russia does as well. But clearly Russia is not the enemy. It's beyond evident that that's the case. The last speech again that Vladimir Putin gave He's talking about the degeneracy of our own culture and degenerate cultures and doing whatever they can do over there in Russia to protect their citizens from degeneracy. What's not to enjoy about that? That's a, you know, that's an excellent thing. Yeah. Our enemy is not in Russia. And apparently again, I just saw here on on Telegram that more money, 10 billion more is about to head its way to Ukraine, allegedly, from our central bank, which is equally as corrupt as Ukraine because they're the only ones propping them up. Yeah, I tried to end on a positive note and I couldn't. See how that works? <laughs> I just, I just couldn't. I don't know what else. I don't know what else to add here. Uh, there's plenty going on. Lots to, lots to pay attention to. We just have to keep governing ourselves. And uh, yeah, pay attention to the food labels a little bit more, the expiration dates, and when the you know where the products are coming from. Make sure you're not buying that meat that uh, that has glue in it or that's magnetized, because that's a thing and that's happening also. So walk into a grocery store and toss a magnet on the meat and see what happens. Uh, you know, find private meat distributors, family farms that are growing their own you know, growing their own cattle and raising their own cattle and not injecting their own cattle and then producing healthy grass-fed real meat. That, uh, that's a healthier alternative. Those exist. Bounce around the old interwebs and have it delivered to your door if you can. Yeah, it's going to cost money, but you know where it's coming from. And that, uh, that's worth the price of admission right there. So if I come across a number of those companies, I'll let you know. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, that's the episode. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.